We're joined by Scott Reed, CDV political analyst, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin. Nice to have you. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, sir. Okay, so I'm working from home today. I presume you may be working from home as well, because I think in your great formula, you used to have, I mean, you have this firm and you used to have offices in the downtown. I'm not sure if you even still do. Um, Interesting uh, numbers today in terms of how people are frequenting the downtown, which they're not basically on Monday and Friday. Yeah, I'm not shocked by this. And I know anecdote isn't evidence. You know, you're at home today. Uh, I am at home. And you're right. I mean, our laps leased during COVID. And I thought, you know, I'm not. Why re-up it? Um, and in part, I was thinking, let's sort of see how the market shakes out and what's going to happen downtown. Um, I, I'm. I just find that people are coming back, but they're not coming back to the same degree. And I think some of it is permanent. I think some of the workforce stuff, um, you know, I was in an office last week. They had moved uh, this particular company and they had downsized to about two thirds of what they had been previously. And they just rotate a bunch of employees around. And so people are not present on all days and they've eliminated workplace stations. So they have, you know, spots that are designated people go and plug in and uh, pick up. I think that model is happening a lot. It's not universal, but I think it's happening a lot. And so I'm, I'm not shocked about it. All that being said, I've got to go downtown today on a Monday. And I'm thrilled because if this survey is correct, then that means I'll be able to whistle down and back, um, you know, fairly quickly. Um, new poll says younger Canadians' views of the country and its institutions are in decline. I mean, effectively, Canadians aren't as excited or quote-unquote satisfied with Canada as a country. I'm not really sure of how much to invest in this. Um, you may have been listening earlier in the show. I'm, you know, I just, if you, somebody says, are you satisfied with something, there are a million different rubrics by which you might come to a decision. So, you know, do we take anything from this poll? Well, I think I think a couple of things. One, I think it confirms a common sense proposition, which is that if you're more satisfied now than you were three years ago, something is de- definitely defective inside of you because we've been through a beating, you know, between the pandemic and all the post-pandemic legs, now cost of living. I mean, it's not, it's just not a super sweet time, man. Uh, people are not surprisingly kind of grumpy. If you want to extrapolate from this what it means in terms of the next federal election, that gets a little more dangerous, in my view, um, because people are probably dissatisfied to a broad set of factors. Um, faith in institutions, that's a little more serious. I do think that's part of a, you know, a broad sort of downward trend, which is, you know, frankly, accelerated by our politics and the method of our modern day politics where people call one another liars and scumbags in a way that wasn't uh wasn't cricket in the past and i think that has a an osmotic effect but you know i i just think you know you got to be careful about saying and therefore this means that as compared to the 2015 election you know the federal liberals will only do this well or that well although when people are in a bad mood they tend to take it out on the incumbent okay um i was Reading from a column just moments ago, Globe and Mail this weekend publishing a column from a CSIS employee saying, this is why I ratted everybody out to uh, the media. What do you make of it? I dislike it intensely. And I know this may not be a popular opinion, but I worked in the prime minister's office. I worked with PCO. I worked with security agencies. 
for a number of uh, months, the first sort of six to eight months that I was in uh, in the prime minister's office, I handled national intelligence files for the uh, prime minister's office. I was a contact on those. And my, my problem is the Globe and Mail is given an anonymous platform or an apl- a platform for someone to anonymously rationalize why they've leaked these documents, which is against the law. And I'm not saying that that doesn't mean that we don't need to take seriously the issues raised, but it's an opportunity for that person to rationalize. And their rationalization is without contest we don't get a chance to challenge them and say well hang on are there other factors and who are you and what's going on no point finale blank slate for them they get to say nobody was listening to me i am right i've been right my bosses my unelected bosses at CSIS and other security agencies weren't giving sufficient weight to what i thought and what i conclude and that's wrong and the public interest dictates that i alone get what's going on others are missing it at the elected and unelected level and i am going to therefore act and if you want to make that assertion that's fine but you need to put yourself forward because it's being treated as though this person is therefore selflessly and correctly taking on these issues when, you know, from my perspective, we don't know that. I mean, their bosses at CSIS, say nothing on the elected level, may not think that their conclusions are correct. And maybe the person writing the op-ed is right, or maybe the bosses there were right. And so I, I, I have a lot of trouble with saying, here, you just get to anonymously and without challenge, state your case and make your claim. And, um, you know, I, I, if you're going to come forward in that fashion, I think you should put your name on the record. And then I think then, you know, you should be able to be subject to challenge because the implication is that this is all just a, a bunch of politics. It isn't just a bunch of politics. There are other people within the infrastructure of the National Security Gathering Network in Canada who obviously did not think that this person's conclusions are incorrect, are correct. And yet they get to say, I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. And that's where the national calamity is. Well, and I always find it interesting, Scott, that people will sympathize with a leaker if that leaker is issuing information that is damaging to somebody they don't like. So you got Edward Snowden and Julian Assange, and depending on who they embarrassed, you either think that they are a traitor or uh, a hero. My general view is people that take this step tend to be of a certain personality type, right? They tend to have an outsized view of themselves, that they're that they alone are self-anointed to take on the great national interest and they're going to act, sometimes in defiance of regulation, sometimes in defiance of the law, as in this case. Um, sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong. I mean, I think you can make the case that Daniel Ellsberg was right to do what he did with leaking the Pentagon Papers. But you know, I still think there's a troubling notion of I alone am in, in, in a position to render judgment on all the institutions of government and all the personalities, elected and unelected, and the judgments they've made. And that's why I think, well, if you're going to do that, then put your name forward. Understand the jeopardy that creates, but put your name forward, and then let's, you know, then let's have the opportunity to to put all of that in context. Sharks goalie James Reimer, who of course is an ex-Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, declined to take part in a Pride event this weekend. And my position on this would be knock yourself out, take whatever position you want. But if there's blowback, then you got to wear it. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. I think two things about this. One, if you're going to decline to wear the sweater, uh, then understand you're going to get hammered by your colleagues. Second of all, you're in a workplace, and that workplace makes decisions. Sometimes in a workplace, 
They make decisions that you have the flexibility to opt out of. Sometimes in a workplace, if you want to opt out of a decision, you opt out of the job. And I'm not saying it rises to that level, but it's 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 get it's pretty close. Um, you know, the final thing I would say, and I'm not a biblical scholar, but I really hate it when people use the Bible as the rationale. It's not the Bible that says homosexuality is wrong. That's actually not there. What you're really saying is the teachings of my faith, the church that I belong to, and the particular sect of the Christianity that I belong to has developed a thesis and a point of view. That's more politics than uh, than, than scripture. Well, and it's funny because I was going back and forth with some people on Twitter this weekend, Scott, and somebody said, John, please show me where Jesus was in favor of inclusion. And I thought, um, I, you know, <laughs> do I really have to respond to this for the love of Pete? Yeah, it, it, uh, it, when people start trying to be literalist about the Bible, um, you know, it gets it, it gets a, it, you you can't win because by definition, um, the point you know you're in, you're into a fantastical territory, and I'm I'm not dismissing religion. I'm just saying that not all things that are written in the Bible can can obviously be taken at face value. Some of them just plainly don't make sense. So. Um, but you're not going to find you're not going to find passages in the Bible that say, oh, homosexuality is, you know, is, is 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 the root of all evil. Thank you, sir. Good to have you. Thank you. Scott Reed, CTV political analyst, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin. And you can put your thumbs away. I don't need you to do direct me toward Leviticus. The fact of the matter is that homosexuality is referred to in the Old Testament, never in the New Testament.